Welcome to the O-Shift for Teens podcast, a show where I team up with a thought leader and we discuss a new topic question that will help you better understand your team. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of O-Shift for Teens, as well as the O-Shift for Teens curriculum and the O-Shift for Teens workshop kit, which is being used by facilitators everywhere. Head to oshift.com and join the growing movement of shift heads all across the world. And they really are all across the world. Man, we love going out and speaking to them. This is our busy season when we get out. Jennifer Powers and I uh, travel the country and uh, talk to folks. We're about to head to Mexico, Guadalajara. We've been there before. Uh, Jen will be speaking out there. In the past, people have asked, do we talk directly to teens? Do we present to teens instead of just training adults? And historically, the answer to that question has been, no, we talk to adults. We help you help the kids that you work with. And that's worked pretty well, but I know there's been a lot of demand for us to come out to speak directly to your teens. So here's good news. We do do some of that, and we're starting to do a little bit more. But also, we have somebody who does do that. And uh, our my buddy Keith Senzer, I mentioned him uh, last week, is a guy that uh, we are planning a uh, youth empowerment camp this summer. Keith is our main facilitator to speak directly to teens, and he's been doing it for a while now. So if you have a group of teens and you've heard the O-Shift message but want to bring it to your teens, contact me at mark at oshift.com. And if Jen or I aren't able to do it, well, Keith is awesome, and he'll come out and do it for you um, in our stead. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, we want this movement to include teens, obviously. And um, the other option for you is if you uh, don't want to bring anybody out, you can do it yourself. Of course, the O-Shift workshop kits make that super easy. Go to the website and find out how you can get licensed. All right, good enough. Well, I had a really interesting conversation just a bit ago with Jude Weber out of Los Angeles. Jude uh, was talking about, about teens and recovery, and this is a topic I really wanted to get to. Jude was a great one to talk to and had a lot of really important things to say. So here's that interview from just earlier today. My guest today is Jude Weber. Jude Weber is a certified life coach who is passionately devoted to supporting young adults on their journey to addiction recovery. Jude draws from her own decades-long experience with an eating disorder, as well as her journey to rediscover vibrant health and well-being. Her holistic coaching helps both teens and adults. Jude is a winner of the 2014 Transformational Authors Experience Book Writing Contest, and she's also a very close personal friend of Jennifer Powers, who describes Jude as an absolutely amazing coach. Jude Weber, how are you, ma'am? I'm great, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Now, Jennifer Powers told me that I'd better be nice to you or she would beat me up. <laughs> I would listen to her, Mark, for sure, because I know how powerful <laughs> she is. <laughs> you know she could do it. She's pretty tough. Yeah, but she's also incredibly loving and compassionate. Now, folks, when I um, ask guests what they want to talk about, um, uh, Jude picked the topic, how do we help 
teens in recovery. And this, I was excited to have this as a topic early in our uh, sort of podcast uh, experience. Obviously, in your bio, I say you had your own experience with an eating disorder. How did that um, sort of guide you as you help teens and, and parents in this area? Well, you know, I started out in my addiction when I was about 19, and I had my eating disorder for over 30 years. So I really got to see the progression of my life and how the eating disorder really held me back from living in so many ways. And while on paper, you know, it looked like I had a pretty good life, there were really things that I believe that I can support and guide and mentor and coach young adults in the area of, you know, how to navigate life in a way where they don't have to end up 30 years down the road, you know, like I did. I mean, when I think about addiction, I, I think in a way we're, we're all sort of, we, we all sort of have addictive personalities, or at least maybe I'm wrong about that. It, would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the, like, professional terminology for everyone would be addicted personalities, but I do believe that everybody has an aspect to them that goes toward a compulsive type of behavior in one way or another. And I also believe that what's underlying that is really just a lack of understanding that they have a core healthy self. I think that there's, you know, we, I believe we have a core healthy self and then there's this, whether it's an addictive self or a part of us that really either sabotages our are moving forward in life or enjoying life or pleasure or whatever it is. And both of these pieces make up our integrated whole. And I think that what happens is the core healthy self, like authenticity, you know, being unashamed, being loving, gets lost and covered up in silence by a variety, you know, of things in life, you know, society, upbringing, karma, whatever it is, you know, there's a multitude of things. And so, what happens is, in its place, addiction or that kind of behavior flourishes, and it's fueled by the disconnection of the healthy self. And so I believe it's about how do we navigate life by nourishing and nurturing the, health, the healthy self part of us, you know, so that there's a balance to how we show up and how we behave and how we feel about ourselves. Okay, so... It does make sense. And so I, what, what it makes me think of is teenagers. And, of course, they, I'm sure what you're talking about we're born with. Obviously, when we think of teens and addiction, we think how tragic. I mean, what happened there that they sort of got steered in? And when I'm talking about addiction, obviously, I'm talking about th- those types of addictions that are, are sort of devastating to them as humans. You know, I'm not talking about that, an addiction to, like, working out or something. Um, so when we think about the teens sort of going down that road early, what is it that's kind of got them on that path? Well, it's interesting you, you bring up about, you know, the addiction to working out, which is a very, very strong piece of an eating disorder. You know, bulimia can be whether it's through, I'm just using this as an example for right now, you know, yeah. how society doesn't necessarily recognize the behaviors that really can ultimately be detrimental. You know, because any kind of, whether it's working out obsessively to the point where, you know, you become in a mind-altering state and that's your total mission and focus, or any other type of addiction, in my opinion, from my experience, is really about distracting ourselves from some kind of underlying feelings, whether it's lack of, less than, shame, fear, envy, any of those, and I'm sure that there's many more. So 
I believe that there's something that stems from an early part in life that drives them to those kind of feelings that they then reach for something to cover up those feelings and then it just snowballs from there depending on which of those emotions or feelings are being fed. And you would say that that's, that's really the, the main driving force of why we get addicted to things that we get addicted to? I'm going to answer this in, in a little bit in a, of a different way. You know, when I grew up, yeah. there wasn't the availability of, you know, whether it's technology, pornography, you know, Internet, anything that I think has, you know, become completely enormous. You know, I, and again, I certainly can't answer for every addiction. Some people say that, you know, in the 12 steps, it says that alcoholism is an allergy, you know, or sugar is an allergy. That may or may not be true. The point is, there are variables that add to whatever the condition stems from. And it's really easy nowadays to just disconnect from ourselves, especially with society and what what it claims that we should be and how we should be and how we should look and how we should act and how much money we should make. So it's it kind of, I think it's just grown to be this enormous giant that has brought addiction to the forefront so much more than it's been in the past. Right. I don't know if that answers right. directly, but I, I think that all of those things speak to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you're talking, I think about that time, uh, in those teenage years. Now, Jude, I don't know if I can honestly remember very well, you know, really that time in my life. But of course, I've been around uh, teens teaching high school. And it does seem like a time when you might be uh, super susceptible to the certain types of addictions. And, uh, you know, especially when maybe you've got friends around that are making certain things available. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty challenging time of life. And for some kids, maybe maybe it's easier to, to sort of slip into that uh, addictive mentality. For sure. And I think as you're saying that, and I know this, you know, is a whole other topic, but just to see how overlapping all of these issues are in these times, you know, is, is a direct link to bullying. You know, someone just from that can just completely go into shame and spiraling and cutting and all these things because they just don't feel like they're acceptable. It just, it just truly breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart. And I just think it's so important to, I imagine we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, you know, just to build a community around you and the people around you that will really support who you are. And as you said, it's also it's such a fine line between growing up and being, in, you know, being a young adult or youth and transitioning into a certain stage of life. And, and people are just cruel. Just it happened to me. You know, it's happened, I'm sure it's happened to most people. Where do we educate them or supply them with the tools to be able to withstand and persevere and stand in, you know, the healthy self while all of this is going on around them? Yeah, and that's a really important question. So let's back up. Let's back up. You said your uh, decades-long experience was with an eating disorder. So let's talk a little bit about that. What's that like for, for teens? Is that a prevalent uh, issue for teens? Is it more girls than boys? And w what's going on there? Well, that's a whole 
incredibly important topic because it is happening. It is starting younger and younger and younger. There are girls eight, nine years old who are starting to starve themselves and to really get in this insidious, cunning addiction that just what they look like means everything and it's, you know, it equals love and it equals acceptance and it equals empowerment and it's just, it's starting younger and it's it's really, really sad. And there are men, yeah. I don't know offhand, you know, the percentage, but there are absolutely, I know personally men, you know, who struggle with eating disorders, who struggle with both anorexia and bulimia and now, you know, as it's becoming so much more prevalent in our times, there's all kinds of different adjuncts. There's orthorexia, there's anorexia, there's what's called bulimorexia. I mean, there's all different, you know, offshoots, you know, body dysmorphic disorder. I feel like our society is really feeding that, that addiction. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, what, what is driving this? You're saying it's happening to kids eight and nine years old. What, what is driving these eating disorders? I do think that social media is a huge part. Again, I don't, you know, because my experience has been prior to that being so commonplace, that's a whole other set of circumstances, which I talked about earlier, you know, just upbringing and society, you know, and I do think that we're born with, you know, they say that certain eating disorder, not certain, they say that eating disorders, you are born with a genetic predisposition. I don't know if I believe that. There are a couple of schools of thought on that because there are certain therapy practices that believe that you can overcome an eating disorder completely. Right, right. You know, they believe yeah. it's a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and that you can really change your thought process. I don't know. I think that, I think that it's what's going to be whatever works for somebody. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I know of a woman who talks about a statement that her um, grandfather made when she was just, she loved her grandfather. And when she was just a little girl, her grandfather said something about her butt being big. And um, that just became part of her. That became part of her mental state and sort of just redirected her life in a way. And so when I start to think about like the influence that we have on kids, I mean, how, how, how important is it for us as adults to, you know, as far as like, what can we do? It's like, what, what are we doing to add to this? Mark, I have chills as you're, as you're saying this now. I'm someone that doesn't have children per se. However, mm-hmm. I really believe there is such a critical role that parents play, you know, because we as children, as babies, even in the womb, seriously, we are so impressionable to the things that go on around us. Now, I don't need to be a parent to know that I learn from what I see and what I hear. I think that that would be a a standard of any upbringing. And, you know, there's just that behavior. But then when there's other behaviors that parents don't realize what they're doing, the lack of consciousness, and that what children are picking up and behaviors and thought processes and misinterpretations and parents not necessarily having addressed their own issues that they're just bringing into parenthood, I just see from people that I know and people that I've worked with, you know, I just see how that is, that, that's where the tapestry is being woven. Now, I am by no means 
golden parent, but I yeah. do think that it has a huge role. And I, I can tell you, I can tell you, Jude, that, you know, I, I think about being, being a father myself, and I, I really believe that some of what we say, some of those subtle messages that we send to our kids are honestly based out of love. You know, we want our kids to thrive and be confident. It's such a big deal. We want them to do good in soccer just so their self-esteem is solid. And so those messages like, oh, you look so handsome today. Look at you. You know, and it's sort of, we do have this certain amount of focus on their physical appearance because we believe that, you know, in our society that that's a, that's a leg up, you know. And so I, I, I do believe that we begin to sense messages as loving parents that perhaps could lend itself to a kid thinking, oh my God, if I don't fit into that, I'm going to, love will be withdrawn. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and you know, and sometimes even just as much as saying things, whether it be in a loving manner with the highest of intentions or silence, for me, silence was me creating all of these stories in my head because there was no feedback, there was no attention, there was no, you know, kind of affection in that way. And so I just created this whole story about myself that carried throughout my life. Yeah. So again, I just, I, I really acknowledge and applaud parents for trying to find, you know, what is the right balance to, you know, to empower their children and right. teach appropriate life skills and, you know, show about, while, while I agree with you that, yes, it's, it's part of our society to look good and to want to feel good about ourselves and all that, you know, and there's also other things that can lend itself to educating, you know, like being of service and getting out in nature and, you know, speaking our truth in a loving way. You know, there's, there's all these different things that I believe can support or feed that healthy core self that I referred to earlier. Well, and so let's talk a little more about that because we're sort of focusing on sort of eating disorders, maybe disorders that are stemmed from the way we feel about our appearance. But there's more um, addictions than that. And if you're talking about what can we do, how do we support kids at a time when, you know, they are susceptible to these um, different, you know, various kinds of addictions, you know, what can we do as parents, as people that work with teens? I mean, how can we support them getting at least through adolescence without any, you know, major, major issues? For me, there's a whole host of things. And of course, everybody's circumstances are individual. But I really, really believe that building on one's strengths it's like really finding out what are the strengths, what are the dreams, what are the visions, you know, giving kids a voice and not, not silencing their voice because it might not agree with, you know, somebody else's agenda or somebody else's ideas, but really just, you know, letting them have a voice and yeah. letting them follow something that, you know, that feeds their soul. I mean, I just think it's so important. And I think a community is absolutely essential. Just letting children surround themselves, whether it's, you know, drum corps or, you know, the book club or whatever it is, just getting around people that they can connect to. It's about connection. And I also believe on that note of connection nature, I'm reading and studying more and more and more how 
people, especially starting younger, connecting, having a connection with nature and the natural world is such a healer. It's very powerful. Tell, tell me a little more about what you mean by that. I mean, going out into nature, taking a hike, being with a tree. I mean, it might sound really corny to you, but, you know, nature is one of the greatest teachers, you know, whether it's animals, whether it's wildlife, whether it's just being with the wind, you know, I mean, it gets into a whole other deeper spiritual level, but there's a school here in Topanga. I live in Los Angeles and there's a school that is based around nature, around teaching through nature. You know, and, you know, that might not be conducive, you know, to where to everybody lives. But I think that there's this disconnect between the human world and then there's this other world, you know. And I think that the world of non-humans and, and nature is a big part of feeling that connectedness inside of ourselves. And, you know, it makes sense that, uh, you know, that would, be, that would be one of the things we have to look at because it doesn't it feel like we've become less connected to nature as we become more plugged into, I mean, my kids would rather be playing an Xbox game than out doing what we were doing when we were a kid, which is throwing around a Nerf football and various things outside and in nature. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that is, that is exactly what I was referring to. Uh, you know, another thing that um, I know that it's something I've worked on with uh, my boys, and we talked about, uh, let's see, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Bob McNeil is sort of vulnerability and talking about some of the danger, talking about drinking and talking about drug use and talking about um, eating disorders. I think a lot of parents don't do it because they think that by making it a topic of conversation, it's going to somehow influence the kids to actually do it when, in fact, I don't think that's the case at all. If I talk to my kids about what it's like to, you know, smoke pot, what that does to their brain, how it affects them. I talk about a de- eating disorder, um, you know, if I had that experience, you know, what it actually does to them and what, why it might be, why they might be susceptible to it. Just giving them that knowledge, it actually helps them to sort of see it coming and deal with it when it does come. Would you agree with that? Mark, I just think you hit upon something so profound because I, I recently just did another, like a radio show, and it's educating them on what the consequences are down the road and really yeah. make it as truthful and honest as possible, you know, because that's one of my purposes in doing what I'm doing is to educate youth. I'm just going to use eating disorders right now, you know, but the consequences that they will have down the road that they don't necessarily think of when they're in the beginning because they're healthy and everything's good. But I can tell you it will destroy the body in many ways. And I think it's and just like you said, whether it's alcoholism or drugs around the brain, I think it is so important for parents to be educated and to educate their children and to create that dialogue and create yeah. the safe space that they can all talk about it so that there's no hidden, you know, there's nothing hidden from them. And then they don't have to hide that, you know, even if they want to try it, it's about creating that space that children can come and voice freely and there can be an open dialogue and a mutual understanding. Yeah, and I could I could see that even if you're if you work with teens and you sat down, you don't have to be an expert to talk about these things. 
Jim, maybe you're in a, a group of girls and you sit down in a circle and you talk about eating disorders. What do you guys know? What, let's sit, let's have a conversation. I think some of us feel like, well, we, we're not the, we're not experts in the area, so we can't talk about it. That's just simply not true. Let's talk about it and and, and see what collectively we've already figured out and. And, and sort of the camaraderie of knowing that other, you know, if I'm a girl and I'm having these pressures to know that other girls in my, in my peer group are also facing them, I think there's a tremendous amount of support and understanding that can come from that. For sure. And I know for a fact that there is so many organizations and groups and, you know, mentoring, whatever, what coaching, but there's such, there's so much available for support today because it is so prevalent and it's starting at such a younger age. And I think what you said was really important because it's not that people need to be an expert. I think it's about that someone can, can share their feelings and that they, because all these addictions, they're based on misinterpretations of who they are, which creates the emotion and the feelings inside that they're trying to cover up because they right. think that they're not enough or they're not pretty enough or thin enough or, you know, athletic enough or, you know, popular enough. And, you know, and I say that for both boys and girls. So it's just giving them this forum to voice their feelings and be held and, you know, with compassion and love and understanding that this is part of growing up. It's normal and that they don't have to stuff it down and hide it and be in their own angst about it. That's that's the only expertise that's required is listening. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that it's a good place to stop, Jude Weber. It's so great to talk to you. And I think that just offering that to parents, offering that to teen advocates, a forum to have these discussions, don't be afraid to talk about it. In fact, it's critical to have these conversations with kids. Um, even if you don't feel like you've got the expertise or the experience, I've never had an eating disorder myself, but I've had other experience. It doesn't mean I can't talk to my kids about it, to the kids that I teach. Jude, wonderful to talk to you. I know that we, uh, we're, we're cutting it short because this is a conversation that can go on and on, but how do people who, um, so, so if I'm a, I'm a parent or I'm working with kids and I have kids sort of in this boat, how do we get a hold of you? How do we find out how you can help? Thanks, Mark. Well, I can be contacted directly. I have a LinkedIn account that people can look me up on LinkedIn and find out a lot more about, you know, what I do and my full profile. And you could just look it up under Jude Weber and it's linkedin.com. And then they can call me directly at 310-985-3740 or email me at restorativecoaching, R-E-S-T-O-R-A-T-I-V-E, coaching at gmail.com. And I'm happy to, you know, support children, parents, young adults, adults. Well, I, you know, I love to coach, you know, about holistic living and I really, really love, I'm, I'm very passionate about addiction and how to support the navigation of recovery as well as how parents can navigate the challenges along the way. Yeah, and I know you are, Jude. Um, would you say your phone number one more time? Sure. It's 310-985-3740. Perfect. And, and one thing that some people don't realize is that coaching often is done over the phone. It's Jennifer Powers does most of her coaching over the phone, which is nice because you can be anywhere 
in the United States and beyond, and, and Jude can uh, help you and can coach you as an adult, your teen. Um, Jude Weber, so wonderful to talk to you. Keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing uh, how things are going soon and in the future. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a great day. You bet. Bye-bye. Well, what an important conversation that was. Jude Weber helping us understand teens in recovery. Uh, Hope you enjoyed that episode. Next week, we have a very special episode with Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields uh, out of Baltimore, who is going to join me for a conversation of how we help teens of color. And I think that's just such a relevant conversation I look forward to hearing uh, from Dr. Shields. He's uh, a tireless champion for young people. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, If you have something to add, you can go to the comment section and let me know, or you can email me at marketoshift.com. And I love to hear your feedback. I love to hear your thoughts, your ideas. If you think you want to be a guest on the show, well, you can uh, send me an email as well. I'm looking for... Thought Leaders, uh, every week we have a new one, so maybe that will be you. Thanks again for joining us. I look forward to seeing you again next week.